So, uh, on the podcast, on the po- I, I don't know whether I talked about this on the podcast or if I was just talking to you when we were guys, we were chatting at some time in the recent past, but um, there was a, there's an airport up here, now that I'm living up here on the border of Maine, um, there's an airport that I'd sort of always thought was interesting that I had, you know, wondered about, you know, making my home base um, instead of Skyhaven, which is where I've been flying, is which is really convenient, it's about 15 minutes, but uh, um, Sanford, uh regional airport in Sanford, Maine. It's about a 30-minute drive, and I and I'd always kind of thought it was interesting, and I'd driven by it a few times and never... Why actually, is it what, interesting? What, yeah, what compels you about uh, it? It was bigger. It seemed to have more activity. If you looked it up on AirNav, it had more operations. It had more based airplanes. Uh, um, okay. Well, you did mention this, I know, in person, and you were talking about also they got a restaurant and a good community. Exactly. So I thought, I thought this has potential, um, even though it's a little further away. So uh, last week on Friday... Uh, during one of the IMC days up here, in, this is what we're going to start calling this time of year in New England, the IMC days. Uh, during one of the uh, many IMC you days, Fourth of July off. Yeah, right. I jumped into my car and took a ride up to uh, Sanford to kind of check it out and uh, see what was going on and see what was what. And uh, I, I have a report for you. All right, and hmm. and this sort of falls under the category of of uh, no brainer. I actually, once you hear this story, at least I think it's. We'll see. So I, I arrive, uh, I'm driving into the area, and as I turn the corner and I have the airport in sight, uh, I f- first notice that there's three really interesting-looking airplanes sitting on the ramp. And as I drive closer, the one that's nearest to me, I'm looking at I'm getting a better and better look at it, and I'm going, is that, could that be? Look, it is. It's an Eclipse 500. Mm. Oh, really? There was an Eclipse 500 on the ramp at Sanford. And, Did it have a for sale sign on it? Uh no, it didn't. Um, Dave, and, Dave, Dave. And then did, here you go. It did, gets, it ha- did it have a Tomy sign on it? it? In some ways, it gets better because the other two interesting airplanes that were sitting on the ramp right next to this Eclipse was a, a Beach 400 and a Falcon 50. Oh, right. Oh. Which is which the Falcon, of, partic- of course, is a particularly cool uh, business yeah. jet, big three-engine. Uh, uh, so, uh, so they get some serious airplanes, and then, and then sitting next to one of the hangars, sort of being restored, was a uh, uh, a PBY. A, uh, oh, uh, really? Yeah. So, uh, and then there does this field have a shop? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if it has any. I'm not sure if what specifically what kind of shop you're talking about. I mean, there, there's a lot of maintenance going on. on A and P, uh, you know, a public maintenance facility. Oh, yeah. Cabin. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. here's what. So then. So then. So I'm, these are. This is cool enough, right? These airplanes on the ramp. So then I go into the, uh, into the FBO office to say hi and to kind of find out what the deal is, what, what kind of airplanes they have available, and so forth. 
and uh, and I walk in and they hand me the uh, the uh, sheet the list that has all their rental airplanes, and they've got the norm. They've got a couple of one seventy twos. They've got actually they've got three one seventy twos. They've got a one fifty. But here's where it gets interesting. They have a a Diamond Star DA forty. Uh, they have a Citabria, and most note interesting I thought was that they have two LSAs. Uh, and these are really? all on their in their rental fleet. They have a uh, a a Valor, which I'd seen pictures of, but I'd never really seen one before. And then they have a Gobosh, uh, which I had seen at uh, I'd seen Gobosh's and heard about them at at Oshkosh. So uh, low, you, a little low wing airplane. Yeah, a little low wing airplane, big bubble canopies, uh, uh, control sticks. Uh, but it's uh, not the Gobosh. Is isn't that the sort of the name of the U.S. distributor and the not necessarily of the particular builder of that one? Uh, that could be. I, it's it's marked as a gobosh, and it's that's what they've listed as on there. I, I believe it's of East European origin. Yes, it's it's definitely not not mm-hmm. made in the USA, or not not you know not originally from the USA. I don't know where they make them, uh, but uh, uh, but uh, they have a lot of experience with that LSA category over there mm-hmm. because right. it fell under their microlight standards. A little lighter airplanes, but it fell under the two seaters. Able to cruise around, minimal pilot's license. Uh, wow, for you know, close to two decades, some of these companies have got hundreds and hundreds of those little airplanes flying around over there. Yeah. So all That's in all, it. this was pretty cool. They uh, they had some cool airplanes and uh, on the ramp and things to look at and a restaurant and uh, so I think. But so now, so now the LSAs rent for. The LSAs, the Gobosh rents for ninety-five an hour wet, and the Valor for eighty-five an hour wet, which is actually a little pricey. Their one fifty rents for seventy-eight. Ah. <laughs> um, which I kind of, so, I, I, I kind of pointed that out, and I said, "Hmm." And I thought these LSAs were supposed to be cheaper, and they kind of just smiled and shook their head. Uh, uh, they, they, they had to pay a lot more for the LSA than they probably paid for that one fifty. That's probably yeah. true. That's probably true. And they get some brownie points from me because here's what, here's what happened. So, like I said, I wandered into the office and I asked for information about rentals, and I was talking to the folks in, at, in the office there about the list, and I was commenting on the fact there were LSAs, and, and then one of the guys there says, oh, they're right outside here. You want to take a look? And I said, sure. So we went out into the hangar, and we were kind of crawling around looking at the looking at these LSAs and looking at the uh, 172s. And as we're standing there just kind of chatting and talking about things, another guy from the FBO comes around the corner, seemed to be more of a senior guy, and he talks to my guy and says, you know, is everything okay? And we said, yeah, we're just talking. And the guy looks at me and said, said would you like to have a demo flight? All right. And I said, you know, no, I'm already a pilot, but I was just thinking about renting. But I give them a lot of props for actually Absolutely. asking the Very question. Nice. All right, you know, yeah, it's good. like, uh, admittedly, I had to get through the door on my own, but uh, they were very friendly and they asked the right question. And you know, in sales, they call that asking for the order. So. Uh, um, so I'm That's, I'm very uh, tempted. Very this cool. Is, so yeah, I'm very tempted. You know, the problem I've run into. Then I'm thinking, but I've sort of bonded with the folks that I know at uh, at Skyhaven, and I'm reluctant to kind of like walk away from that. So maybe I have two airports now. I don't know. Well, you, 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 what, uh, spit it out. Spit it out, Dave. Yeah, they, my brain got wrapped around the axle of a prop, and uh, I'm trying to figure out. You know, will it be like cheating on the old airport if you just go over and rent something at the other one? Exactly. You know. <laughs> and what if I had to like do a? Yeah, I'm gonna open a beer. What if I had to do a precautionary landing at Skyhaven? Man, I'd be busted. All right. Yeah, you'd have to make an off-airport landing in that case. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh uh, man. So then they cancel your birthday for how long? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. That could be a good thing. 
That's right. That's right. I could do without a few but, birthdays. We'll pass. But, uh, well, the the airport's 15 minutes away. What's it like? Uh, it's, a, it's a much smaller, it's a nice little airport. It's not dead. Uh, it's a one runway. Uh, uh, it's, got an, it's got an FBO working, you know, uh, maintenance shop right there on the field. Um, and it's got a bunch of hangars and a bunch of tea hangars and a bunch of uh, covered, you know, parking spaces and a bunch of tie downs. And it's not a, it's not a, uh, you know, tiny airport, um, but it's not, it's not as, you know, it doesn't have a restaurant. It doesn't have... Mm-hmm. Um, I understand. I understand. It doesn't have Falcon 50s, have Falcon on, the 50s on the ramp, exactly. It was it was nice when you were dating when you were younger, but now you want to move up to something more mature. <laughs> something like that. Wow. Something like that. <laughs> How are you going to keep them down on the country airport? That's right. You know, yeah. But, uh, Jack, now, you've uh, last time I saw you, you were talking about perhaps buying an airplane. Well, I'm thinking about it. You know, I, I, it's, it's a long-term thing. It's about a, you know, I, I can't imagine it happening before next spring at the very, very earliest and uh, I go that's, back and forth. That's between, my goal, baby. Yeah, I go back and forth between something very light, like a 152, which I've always liked, you know, or even an LSA. Um, and then, but then Jeb and Dave keep sending me links to 172s and 182s that are for sale. And, you know, you said that you enjoyed just sort of, you know, punching holes in the sky typically, but that now you think you're developing a hunger for long distance travel. Hearing about, you know, how it really can change things, and so. I could see where a 172 would be something. To, yeah, to you know, it's it's appealing, and I've sort of been sniffing around in the whole you know um, financing market and what's involved. And uh, I talked to a guy at uh, I talked to the one of the AOPA finance guys at, at when we were in Oshkosh, and and interestingly, that you get a better rate. Well, there, there's like a threshold of about I think it was like 28k or something like that. If, if you borrow less than 28k, it's a higher rate. They want you to mm-hmm. borrow more or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And the, and the, in the scheme of things, you know, you know, I mean, financing a, a fifty or sixty thousand dollar airplane really isn't all that bad. I mean, it's not impossibly no. expensive, you know. And uh, I, I know a guy that talked about that very thing at Oshkosh. I know exactly, and you talked about it last week, so we won't we won't belabor the subject. But uh, but, but it's it, it's eminently doable if it, if it's within your budget and within your priorities. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna shop. I'm gonna kind of keep my eyes open over the winter, and uh, and then around springtime I'll start to think seriously about it. But uh, it it was one of the it was one of the nicer periods of my life when we had an airplane. Yeah, yeah. A lot of reasons I can't. Yep. yep. Certainly one of the best decisions I think I've ever made. Yeah, I want to talk about that in a second, James. But let's. Uh, Let's make this thing official by saying uh, welcome, folks, to episode number 95 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. We're recording this episode on Tuesday evening, August 12th, 2008. And let me say hi to my friends here in the hangar. Uh, one of those voices is Dave Higdon, who's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, Dave. How you doing, everybody? James, Jim, Jack, it's the Triple J Trio. That's right. That's right. And also out there, I believe he's out there, he's been very quiet tonight, is uh, Jeb Burnside, who's talking to us from Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. I'm fine. I hope everybody else is. It's sometimes hard to get a word in edgewise, but uh, uh, we'll work on it. (laughs) You should talk. (laughs) Okay. And also out there this week is uh, James Winbrandt. Uh, And uh, James, so James, here's yet another reason to own your own airplane. Where are you tonight? I'm in Martha's Vineyard. You are in Martha's Vineyard. Because like a week ago you were in Oshkosh, in the meantime you have been someplace else, and now you're in Martha's Vineyard. A place to take off from, a vineyard. Yeah. Yep. So uh, how is it down there? Is it nice? Well, it's been uh, raining 
a bit, quite a bit, yeah. and then sort of alternating with some beautiful skies, but I was kind of surprised. And uh, one of the things I'm trying to stage here, we're going to go uh, to Mike uh, to hook up with Mike Goulian. Oh, you haven't to, done that yet? No, we got kind of weathered and weathered, yeah. and then people had to go back to wherever they had to go, and he has to go to Budapest, so we have rescheduled for the week of the 25th. Okay. Mike Goulian, of course, is a, a big airshow pilot, one of the uh, folks at AirVenture and uh, other airshows around the country. Can you tell us what's what's the occasion? Why are you meeting up with Mike? Are you just pals? or, or are you? Uh, we're, no, I'm going to do uh, a feature on him for uh, Plane and Pilot or Pilot Journal, both, of course, published by the same people, so I'm not sure where it will end up. And uh, so I'm going there, and Jim Lawrence is going to come down to do the photography. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be... Uh, featuring both his uh, extra and also uh, talk about he, his family run, runs a flight school. That's how he started to get into aviation. And they've just opened up a new facility as well, so we're going to get a chance to take a look at that and share that with the readers. Now, where is that facility? That is in Lawrence. At Lawrence Airport, okay. Yes, Lawrence, Massachusetts. I'm telling you, man, that's just down the road from me. I, uh, well, maybe uh, maybe we can get together. You should let me know when this happens. Oh, you just did. What did you say, September 25th? Yes. Uh, the, uh, August 25th. August 25th. 20th. So we can go from the virtual hangar <laughs> to the actual hangar. To the hangar. actual hangar. The actual hangar. Well, that's great. Well... Uh, and I am Jack Hodgson, uh, and I am here at UCAP World Headquarters in Dover, New Hampshire. So, <laughs> David, and then enhanced by by uh, uh, James, have put up a link on our list here about wing walking. And um, although now that I look at it more closely, there are a whole bunch of pretty girls in this on this web page. But David, what's the story here? Uh, I apologize to where I picked this up, but oh, I remember now. There was a blurb, uh, I believe, on Aero News about a couple getting married uh, while they were wing walking. And the minister was in the middle airplane wing walking when they said their dues on, uh, you know, atop of a trio of Matt Stearman. And there was a link to this company in the UK, Aero Superbatics Limited and Team Genot. And Genot, I believe, is a, uh, how you say, cosmetics product company for the ladies and the walk wing walking team is all very attractive young ladies uh, apparently they've got five or six airplanes five five or six airplanes and five or six wing walkers there's more uh wing walkers than they show in some of the pictures and it just jumped out at me wow none of their show dates are in the united states they're like strictly uk based Mm-hmm. And what a pity. They're doing some stuff in Europe, and uh, they do uh, two-order shows at their base <clears> in the U.K. I was like, I don't think I'd seen this twist on air show performance before. Uh, an all-woman wing-walking team. They well, do formation wing-walking. So oh, mul- multiple aircraft, each with a wing-walker. Yes. Four airplanes, four wing-walkers. Uh well, the formation part, you know, see, all right, here we go. I must be the one person in the world who doesn't get wing walking. It just, I. I no, you're not the only person. I, I just think, you know. But they, but they are looking for additional wing walkers. Yeah, I know. It says, on the right. it says be a wing walker. I, and listen, not to, not to belittle or, or diminish the fact that it certainly it takes some courage or whatever, some 
takes some, some courage some and athletic skill. Uh, but, you know, here, so I'm standing at Oshkosh, and I'm watching the Wing Walker Act one afternoon. And I'm and standing in front of me is a couple people, and every single time they did some maneuver, these people were going, whoa, wow, oh my goodness. And I'm, and I'm standing here thinking, do these people really think that they're not, like, tied to the airplane? And, well, know, they're like, not. Oh, come on. They got a safety cable. Um, they got a hand. They got handholds. I cannot believe exactly. Right. You can have a parachute. I cannot believe that they are not somehow safety line to this airplane. Now, not, that's little... not to say that if you slipped and no, fell, I'm not it saying it's not the crap out of you. All right. This yeah. is one of the reasons that I put that link on. On yeah. Why? Why? What's your link, James? Well, it, it's for uh, because Third again, they did allude in the posting to the fact that you know that this is only in England, and too bad we can't see that here. Uh, at Geneseo, I saw Carol Pilon, who's a U.S. wing walker, and was speaking to her after the show uh, about a number of things. One of them was she was saying that in England they have different regulations than here, that the only time she is tethered is when she goes out onto the wing after takeoff and that when she's coming back, I guess, for, to wherever she has to be for the landing. Other than that... She is not tethered, and that she had mentioned that in England they have wing walking, but that they actually have regulations so that the people there, as, as I recall the conversation, I haven't transcribed the interview yet, have to be tethered in at all times. Right. So, in, so you know, albeit that they are not tethered, I still think they're pretty securely in there, and, you know, obviously you have some trust in the pilot to make sure he's not suddenly going to dump you in a way you're not expecting. But, right. you know, it, it looks, let me put it this way, it looks tremendously fun for the wing walker. You think? You'd do it? Uh, <laughs> That's a different I, question. I would do it tethered, you know, it's certainly to start out I wouldn't do it untethered. <laughs> but I think it would be neat to get out there and sort of experience, or, you know, at the same time, it, it would be like being, you could do that in an aero cam, I guess, huh? I guess it just all uh, it's goes not quite the same there because uh, the air cam you're pretty if well you fall backwards from the on the air cam you got a whole different set of problems. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> With those um, propellers back there, yeah. Go ahead, Jeb. No, I was just yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if I'd do that if the airplane was sitting on the ground and I had the key in my pocket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, 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 you know. The formation flight looks interesting. There's some good art of it on on this one of these websites, and the women are certainly not unattractive. Um, but I'm just trying to figure out what the point is. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's like I don't know. Yeah, not, I, to, not to demean and diminish. No, 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 no. And I'm not brave people, and they're yeah, doing something kind of yeah. wild, and, and, and clearly and it, the crowds it, it, it like takes, it. It takes more hair than I have. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be blunt. I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, hmm. But neither do I really want to watch it. It doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I don't see the aviation skill there. What it's about it's I got his hand corrected. It's, not, it's just entertainment. It's not really. Uh, I, I won't. I won't say it's not. It doesn't require skill. It certainly does. It requires skill, coordination, poise, uh, and uh, perhaps you know uh, a good bottle of prescription drugs. But um, uh, it 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 it's entertainment, and and people who get entertained by that, great, no problem at all. It just doesn't do it for me. Well, James, what about? Go ahead, James. For example. You somebody had to straddle an extra three hundred or something and hang on for dear life. 
while it went through a, a complete unlimited routine would that be of interest I, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, that um, Clay Lacy tells Clay Lacy tells a great story about this guy that well, did let me, wind let me, walking. Let me, answer, on, let me answer James's question. All right, we'll come would back to your story. Interest? Absolutely, it would be of interest. I would like to know who, what, when, where, and why, and 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 when when they get back on their meds. Um, does it interest? Would it interest me um, from a technical standpoint? Only from the, the the proposition of you know why they haven't fallen off, and uh, how long they're going to be locked up when they land. Uh, <laughs> does it interest me from an aeronautical standpoint? No. It, 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 any any any. I mean, I won't say anybody, but but most most people can with pilot's license can go out and flog an extra three hundred. Um, and, and and do some acro with it just because there's some extra drag somewhere that doesn't mean a whole lot <laughs> I, I don't know it, it it just doesn't do it for me yeah um, david what were you gonna say i just first off to on, on the record want to point out i'm looking at i'm looking at a photograph scroll through on the aero superbatics limited website that shows five airplanes in different formations so yeah, they're yeah, doing five that, ships. That, that looks good. I like that. That requires skill, coordination, planning, aeronautical finesse, and and not an inconsiderate amount of pilot skills. Um, uh, adding act, the, the adding act, to the complexity, the, the drag of a human body moving around on the outside. Do it for me, okay, you guys. David, you said you had a Clay Lacy story. Oh well, Clay Lacy told told a story at a, at a photography group meeting I attended a few years ago. Uh, he was talking about his careers in aviation and uh, uh, some of the work that he did for Hollywood over the years. And in one instance, he got called up one night at home by this guy who uh, wanted to do an act called the Human Fly. And he was going to stand, and in fact did stand, atop a Boeing 707 that Lacey flew. I think it was out in Mojave where they did it. Uh, but it was filmed and put on television. Yeah, and it, you know the the like he he was he was like Jeb. Why a person would want to do that when you know you got to be flying the airplane well over two hundred miles an hour to to keep it aloft. And how you know, was to he get, attached, or what was what did they put handholds up there? What happened? He had some kind of uh, some kind of uh, uh, stand uh, that he was able to to work with. Maybe he, he got largely leaned into the wind. Spider. <laughs> he just got pummeled by little stuff in the air that you wouldn't notice if you weren't going over 200 miles an hour through it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I don't know what to say. And I, I just think it's really I, cool. I just know I'm going to be accosted by these. a wing walker one of these days now for having said all this stuff. Um, but And as well you should. Yeah, well, you too, Jeb. Come on. If you stand and watch one of these acts from start to finish you really closely, yeah, you'll yeah. see that it's really a lot of work, and there's some athleticism and some skill and I, a whole lot of nerve. No arguments. No argument no either, argument. but it's not aviation-related. Well, it's only aviation-related in that they're on an airplane when they do it. Yeah. You know? That's the whole <laughs> point, guys. How can it not be aviation? See, I, but here's – so just to give you a this, couple this thing. dates back – this dates back what ninety years. This is in the Great Barnstorming. Well, yeah, because back then they didn't tie themselves down. <laughs> but uh, let me tell you, if if one of the barnstormers 
uh, one of the, excuse me, one of the wing walkers on either of these two sites wishes to accost me on this topic, <laughs> I'm, I'm there. So you know the other thing, the other air show act that I don't, well, not only I don't get. I mean, I, on some level, I respect the wing walker thing because they are doing airplanes. Yeah. But the other air show act that always just really annoyed me was these uh, jet vehicles that raced down these drag race jet things, right? <laughs> because I've never quite understood what why that was being touted and being shown at an air show, other than they needed a runway to do it, you know. But what well, do I care? I can tell you why. Well, well, well they usually ra- the they sometimes have a race, and there is a plane that sort of goes down through the air at the same time. When they did it, a yeah. Few- go at Oshkosh, that was and what they a, had, the rocket plane and the rocket tractor trailer. And, uh, yeah, and that's a compelling comparison of the two vehicles, right? <laughs> the uh, noisy one, for yeah, sure. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> D- Jeb, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, it's very compelling because A, it makes noise, yeah. B, it's another reason to drink beer, yeah. and C, the, the, the NASCAR fans who attend, you've got to give them yeah. some. So. But the best part of it is the flame that comes out of that truck has nothing to do with the propulsion. From what I, that is just show. Well, there's a word for the whole thing. Okay. You can boil it down to one word. What's that? Spectacle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it is a sound and and, and light and, and, and visual and, and speed spectacle all rolled up in a, in, in a vehicle a lot of people can relate to. It's a truck. You pass them on the road every day, and what the airplane always wins, which is as it should be. What was it P.T. Barnum would say? There's an ass for every seat in the house? <laughs> yeah, I never a lot of one. things. But sure, okay. All right. Okay. All right, that's enough. That's enough. Let's that go. kind of sounded like this podcast. Moving on here. <laughs> Moving on here. Uh, let's see now. Another story, I think, from David, uh, calling attention to, well, listener Brendan Reynolds in the, uh, in the uh, forums called our attention to a piece of video that's been on the Internet of this, uh, I believe it was a Cherokee, landing with its cowling popped open. So which it's is, a warrior or an archer, I can't tell which. Yeah, right. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, you know, on one level, it's like, okay, no big deal, but if it had, you know, I don't know, if you go, what's what's the most dramatic if, incident like that that you guys have ever had in flight? You never had a, you never had the cowling pop open on you, did you? I've never had the cowling pop open. I've had doors pop open. Yeah, doors. Uh, uh, I I haven't had you know I haven't even had the oil door. That's the most open. dramatic I had was the oil uh, the oil door there popped open. Oh, yeah, that's you know Skyhawk or something like that. It's right there in front of you, and you've got to do something about it right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, never never mind that the airplane's flying just fine. And, and in, in my look. case, the buddy that I was flying with and I we we're so we're we're climbing out of where were we climbing out of? I want to say it was. Pier, South Dakota, North Dakota, one of the Dakotas. Where's Pier? Which which South Dakota? Dakota. Oh, South Dakota. Capital. Yeah, the capital. So we're flying out of Pier, which is spelled Pierre, but I'm told it's pronounced Pier. Pier. And uh, and suddenly we notice the oil cover flapping. This is on his arrow, and uh, and the thing that really freaked us out was we looked at each because we had, you know, and this is probably not good procedure. When we were checking the oil, we had occasion to set the oil dipstick down on the ramp, and and then now we're climbing out. Ooh, bad idea. Cause, yeah, what would be the occasion that would cause you to put the dipstick? I don't recall. It was probably we didn't have a hand. I don't remember. It, it was, you know. So we're climbing out. Suddenly the door is flapping around. The two of us look at each other and say, did we put the dipstick back in, oh in the filler head? All right, you know. And we both go, 
I think so, but uh, I don't know. I didn't do it. Did you? <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't quite that bad. But uh, so in addition to turning around and going back to the airport to close the little door, we had the added urgency of wondering whether or not there was oil, like spewing out of the, uh, you know, into the engine compartment or something. Well, I mean, at least you would have seen. That's the benefit of having that door flap open. I'm sure some Not necessarily. Would have... I don't know. Oh, really? We were a little worried no. that there might be something happening under the cowling. That we it's think that think about it, and, James, and think about it for a second. James, think about it for a second. You got air coming in the front of the engine, right? Okay, yeah. and it, where does it go? It goes out the bottom, right? Well, I mean, if most if most, most single-engine airplanes... Most yeah, there might be a little leak around here. the edge of the cowl. Be, but, be, but you can't see that from the cockpit unless it's right there in front of you. Well, I don't, right. you know, I don't know about the cowling in in what we, 172. Like in in you know in a Mooney, it's much tighter, and and yeah. the filler cap is right. I, I mean, if it was open, you could probably see whether the cap was on or not. Yeah. Yeah. We actually tried to see. We kind of were craning around in the in the cockpit, trying to get get a, get a line of sight down into the <laughs> video. Well, that. More accidents are caused by you know by like somebody forgets to close the baggage oh, yeah. compartment door and yeah. stuff. Just fly the airplane. That's yeah. the number one rule. Yeah, you know. So I'm I'm wandering around on the in the North Forty at Oshkosh and. Uh, and there's this, uh, I, I forget what it was, Cherokee 6-ish kind of aircraft. Um, and he starts his engine. He's clearly getting ready to go. At least that's what he seemed to me. And um, and the baggage door on the left-hand side of the aircraft was not closed. It was open a couple inches. And I'm thinking, oh, this guy has forgotten, You know, has doesn't realize because he can't see it. And it's very loud now in the cockpit. And he doesn't realize that the door is open. So I'm kind of standing out sort of at a 45-degree angle in front of the airplane, like waving my arms, trying to get this guy's attention. And he's not seeing me. And finally, he sees me, you know, and I'm trying to pantomime, you know, your baggage door is open. That I video of him. Yeah, really. And so, and and so he he's looking at me funny, and then he kind of looks around to the back and looks back in the cockpit, and and it seems apparent that he knows what I'm talking about, and he looks at me like, yeah, okay. I mean, he like didn't seem at all appreciative. It was like I was annoying him, like I was getting in his way, you know. And I'm going, well, okay. How close was it to the airport closing? Time, time wise, it wasn't. It was like one morning. I think he had plenty. You're going to take off with it open just because you're going to miss close, man. You're you're. Uh... Yeah, the thing about it, the door won't come any farther open. So it's not until something falls against it will yeah. something go out the door. It's, Anyways, it, it there's that too. But, Wait, but, what, what kind of baggage door was it? It was one of I mean, these. What, what sort of plane was it? It was like a, a, a Cherokee 6 kind of thing. It was a kind of a big Cherokee. I don't know what it they call the, it. It was the front baggage door or an aft door? Aft. It was to, behind the wing on the left side. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, That's a that, split door, too. Yeah, it is a split door, and uh, the problem with that is if he does take off, and it's it's legal under certain circumstances anyway to uh, to fly with that door either open or removed. I think removed is is the correct uh, configuration. The problem is a stuff that you know is not strapped down inside uh, falling out. Yeah. B, if the door is not secured and comes open, it itself departing the airplane, and when something a or B happens, uh, it can hit the tail, and that's a bad thing. That's a bad. Thing. Well, yeah, yeah. If it if, if it goes to the letter C, uh, <laughs> that that could be a hard stopper. Jack, yeah. you did the right thing. It sounds like he was yeah, sounds at like at least 
feigned well, being appreciative. Yeah, I know, I know. So I don't know. Anyways, but I wanted you guys are and- talking all around. The reason why I put this link up is because we clearly got a guy in the midst of something that would be a little uh, adrenaline challenging. Yeah, you know, at it, 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 the instant it came open. Right. So this video, just to yeah. describe it here quickly, is uh, we, we see the... I don't know where this... This must have been, like, from the tower or something like that. I uh, thought a helicopter. It was I'm a sure helicopter it was a shot. Helicopter. helicopter. Okay. And so we, we, we joined this thing with the uh, the Cherokee on, on sort of short final. Um, I don't know if it's actually over the runway at this point, but uh, he, come, he... No, I think he's not. I think he's on final of some sort. And he comes down, and, and the canopy... The, the, the cowling is, is kind of half on and half off. It's sort of up at a 45-degree angle, if you will. I'm yeah, the right, the right half, the right side. Right. And uh, and it's not just stable. I mean, there was one point where it kind of takes a lurch, you know, in, in the final moments before touchdown, and uh, and and it's kind of a little bit of a squirrely touchdown. But he gets it on the ground safely <laughs> and rolls out. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, Jack and, I, Jack and Jeb, you I mean, and Dave, you could address this better, uh, Dave. Jeb, but there are some situations something comes loose where slipping is better because you're going to not be having the full impact of the wind that will exacerbate the situation? Um, yes and no. I mean, in the instant case, first of all, this is a warrior, I just realized, because only warriors have the piano hinge cowling like this. Archers and, and other larger Cherokees don't. Um, they have a one-piece upper cowling. Um, you can You can sail these things... Um, if you wanted to, I mean, rent me a warrior, I'll go out and demonstrate it all to you. Um, here, here's my punchline, though. This once it once the guy uh, uh, was startled by this this uh, cowling popping open, that's pretty much the end of the drama. Um, you know, go find an airport and land. Um, you can see past it. Yep. Uh, it's probably if it hadn't come off of the airplane by now, it probably isn't going to. That's the only part that made me nervous. Because was, the, yeah. the piano hinge on these things is is pretty strong, and it's riveted like you know every three quarters of an inch or something like that. So yeah, down that it, hinge it's, line. It's it's pretty well, pretty well. It's pretty hell for stout. Um, so, the, so clearly, I, uh, this guy got a little Hang on, one at a time. Jeb, finish your thought. Clearly, this guy got a little squirrely in the flare. Uh, maybe bounced a little. I only looked at the video once. Uh, he was a little shook up. Is it probably he had a good reason to be. He knew but he was on he, TV, probably. Well, you know that's the other thing. If it'd been me, I'd have suggested. I might have even aimed myself at the news helicopter. <laughs> Get out of here, dude! You don't belong here. I'm trying to do something, and you're interfering with it. Yeah. Uh, and in the ta- if it was a towered field. Tower should have told him to just stay out of the out of the delta uh, yeah. until this was concluded. Yeah, but that's the whole. That's just me. Yeah, James, what were you going to say? I was just going to say I, I assume that Piper had to sort of demonstrate, if not the FA, for their own satisfaction that you know how's this thing going to handle if the cowl comes undone in flight. One side, both sides, left, right. Yeah, that mm-hmm. it is not by chance that oh hey how about we made an airplane and the, and the thing stayed on when it came open. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of instances of of uh, some twins, Seneca's, Barons, and Navajos come to mind with with nose baggage doors, and uh, some of them have come open. I, I know of a, uh, there was a I think it was a Baron 
No, it was a it was a Cessna of some some ilk, a four hundred series Cessna, with uh, an open baggage door. They lost bags out of it. Uh, that that hit. Um, um, I think it, there was some damage to the airframe when the bags came loose. Now, clearly, an open nose baggage door on a twin shall not, should not conflict with the propellers, mm-hmm. uh, which is can be an issue, I would guess. Um, but something but this, per- the baggage this particular event, uh, again, it was a, I think it was a 400 series Cessna. Nose baggage door came open. They lost some bags. Uh, the unfortunate aspects were they were uh, like going into Juneau, Alaska or something like that, maybe Sitka, somewhere on the, the lower uh, peninsula uh, of Alaska, uh, right off the Pacific Ocean. And, of course, it was IFR, and they were in a hurry because they were shook up and ended up uh, um, screwing up the approach and... Um, um, uh, I, don't, I forget the exact details of the crash, but everybody aboard died. Um, the airplane That's detail enough. Was, yeah, the airplane was still in one piece, and the airplane was still flying, and it was still performing as it should have been. But the open door got the pilot shook, mm-hmm. and we've, yeah. we've I've seen this in Bonanzas where, um, yeah, it makes a hell of a noise, and yeah, you just lost your sectional that you just bought before you took off, and. Yeah, your hair is going to get a little bit mussed, and yeah, you can't hear the tower. But the airplane, with a couple of exceptions, is going to fly just fine. It's the door's not going to go anywhere. The door's and, not uh, going to depart the airplane. You know, it's now, like, you that, about- like that guy that strangers, like those different strangers say right at the beginning of this thing. You know, fly the airplane, fly right. the airplane. Yeah, be now, one with the airplane. There is a, a re, some recent instances of uh, Diamond Stars DA-40 Diamonds where the aft doors have kind of like, mm, we're tired, we're done, we're going to leave now. Uh, wow. And they have not uh, damaged the rest of the airframe when they depart. But there's a fatigue issue with the hinges and with the uh, lift struts on those aft doors uh, on DA-40s that uh, are seeing some service difficulty reports. Kind of, kind and of. I like that arrangement. Boy, that makes that back seat so much more. It does. It's a very, accessible. very nice configuration, um, but it's a little under-engineered uh, as as events are unfolding. I want that engine in a Comanche. What is that? A two hundred horse injected and with electronic Continental? ignition. Yeah, yeah. No, like. Is it a like? Okay. Yeah. O three six I O three sixty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, just a uh, good job to the pilot getting on the ground yes. safely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he, he can. We can use the airplane again after we secure the cowling. Yep. And uh, just to finish my little story, uh, so we turned around at pier and uh, we came back to the airport and landed and discovered that we had, in fact, put the dipstick back in place and Woo-hoo! everything was fine. And uh, so, uh, so we turned around and all that off. first that first stop, pier one. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. And then you had pier two. Yeah, I think I remember why. Okay, I'm going to let these pass. I'm just going to let them just going to fly right over my head. I think I remember now why we, again, still not a good reason, but I, I, as I recall, I'm thinking about it, we had to add oil. And so we didn't have enough hands, and we, I don't know, we probably should have set this thing on top of the cowling or something, but but we set it on the ground. And I kind of vaguely remember trying to balance it on its end so that it wouldn't, I don't know. Anyways, it was a bad idea from the get-go, and we learned a lesson there. Um, but once I didn't, I didn't back-check a ramp boy. 
uh, and I used the boy deliberately, Ramp Boy, after he topped off uh, Air Comanche. Uh, and he did not, he closed the doors over the fuel caps, but he didn't set the fuel caps. Mm. And we're climbing out of Juliet Victory Yankee, headed west with this big antenna farm dead ahead of us, about six miles to go. And about 2,600 MSL we got to get to from about 400. And uh, Annie's uh, dock is uh, liquid coming out of the right side wing. And I kind of, yeah, and the left side's too well. Son of a gun, it's doing it too. Uh, back to the airport. Now, here's where a wing walker would come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So he's going to have handholds and, uh, and, and, uh, and wing lockers so that the yeah, wing I, walker can carry their lipstick. I hate to be the, the, the guy that you know, brings up the obvious here, folks, but you know, that's, I guess that's my role tonight. Yeah. Okay. Um, but now, so here's an interesting one. Uh, so this guy uh, publishes a web page uh, where he says, "I'll read the, the first paragraph from the way." It's a three thousand dollar reward if you find my propeller. He said on December 26th of 2007, my propeller fell off of my airplane in mid-flight over Rudy Rudy Reservoir. I That's managed to. I managed in Colorado. To, uh, apparently, because Aspen's Himes is a story here. Um, yeah, that, he said that's, that's uh, I managed valley. to. I managed to get back to the airport, but I need to find the propeller in order to learn what happened. And oh he's got God. a lot of other information about his flight, flight, uh, uh, you know, path. And uh, there's a picture of him standing in front of his propellerless airplane. Uh, wow. And, uh, it's. I, oh, know, it was a. It was a Malibu. It's a Malibu, yeah. A Malibu. Yeah. Yep. I heard about oh this guy. God. Yeah, we talked about this guy. Well, did we really? Oh, that's what? right. I kind of remember yeah, this. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, there the was prop another left one. the airplane on climb out, and it's like uh, the dude made this great, you know, trip back to Aspen, and got there high, and managed to know how to get the altitude away, and uh, you know, by all accounts, might have been a little hot, but slid it, you know, greased it right onto the runway there. Talk about uh, pucker bag. Talk about getting your attention. Yeah, really. A lot more than a cowl Well, lap. that happened yeah. to that uh, senator from Oklahoma, too. Uh, Inhofe? Inhofe. Well, it happened to Inhofe? He was flying. But he was flying this a was, Cherokee, right? That was a Cherokee? No, Inhofe was in a, uh, like a Grumman Traveler. Yeah. In a fixed pitch prop. The sucker just went, thanks very much. I'm tired. I'm leaving now. <laughs> I don't know uh, about uh, you, but this is where I get off with the DA-40 yeah. doors. Yeah, exactly. There, so, somewhere, there's somewhere somebody's got a hellacious parts collection. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know this 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 page the web page. Well, obviously this happened in December of last year. So and I don't know whether he ever got his prop back or not. But. Looking at the picture, it looks like there's still prop flange on the crankshaft. Well, some of that is. I think the the uh, the the wait a minute though. There's flange the. The, 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 it looks to me, and then there's other pictures. As a matter of fact, I've got some larger ones um, on my hard drive somewhere uh, that someone sent me about the time this occurred. But it, it appears that the crankshaft failed um, between the uh, outer seal, outer bearing, and the um, the flange itself. Yeah. So it just probably went shooting on ahead of him there. And, uh, There's no flywheel, no ring gear, no no way for the starter to engage. Well, it went this, bye bye too. 
Not on this IL-550 in this airplane. There isn't a flywheel on the front. Oh, that's right. It's got the starter mounted on the accessory case. Right. Right. right, right. I think right. this is a. It's either a five. It's either TSIO five fifty or five twenty. One of the two. Because I was I thinking, though, maybe they it's go a Lycoming. Yeah, yeah. This is the Continental. Okay. Um, um, but uh, there, there was another one like this. Um, in addition to um, um, Inhoffs, uh, which was. God, the Inhofs <laughs> thing was like six, eight, maybe ten years ago. It's been a while, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was another one like this, though. A single-engine airplane. Um, it might have been a Bonanza, actually. Um, and I, I, they didn't... They walked away. They landed off airport. They walked away. Hmm. Uh, but uh, you, you, you got to give the guy a little bit of credit, too. There's, you know, what, 75 pounds on the very front of yeah, his airplane that goes bye-bye. Significantly changes the weight and balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it eliminates so much drag. Um, you got a whole, you're, you're a test pilot. Boom. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Well, yeah, we, that's right. I'd forgotten we talked about this. But, uh, yeah, congratulations to him. Hope he found his prop. I don't know what happened there. And the fact yeah. that it was in the Rudai Reservoir area shows he got sufficiently far away that he must have had, you know, some pretty decent altitude at that point. Yeah, he yeah, was, he uh, was apparently, apparently it came down over pretty uh, uh, challenging terrain. Yeah. I just looked at the feedback page, there. and there was one guy that went up there and spent some time in the area where the NTSB believed it should have come down mm-hmm. and didn't find anything, but... Uh, he said that was after the leaves were up, maybe after the leaves are down again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty, I mean, the leaves will probably cover it if they come down, but it's it's rugged territory. No, he, he, yeah, he lost this in December, so it probably went into the bottom of some frozen lake. Yeah. Uh, it'll never be found again. But uh, I, don't, I don't think he was over a lake when it happened. Uh, he was over terrain, which is... Was he? Okay. Yeah. He, yeah, but snow-covered terrain. Anyways, moving yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on. Oh, um, drink. <laughs> Take a drink. Uh, let's see. I'm going to do something a little different here. Let's see now. Uh, if I do this and I do this, if someone hanging out outside the hangar here, and uh, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I just noticed that it's uh, a wing walker. <laughs> it's, it's a wing walker. Hey, <laughs> Will, are you there? I'm Please here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, hey. uh, Pilot Will, Will Hawkins, was, uh, was, uh, uh, IM'd me while we were talking, and uh, we were chatting <laughs> offline for a couple minutes, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to this podcast now as well. But uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to bug you. I saw no, you. No. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's fine. It's great to hear from you. Um, so I wanted to just uh, invite you into the hangar for a couple minutes to uh, kind of fill us in on a couple of things. First of all, man, you missed Oshkosh. Where were you? I know. I uh, was uh, sitting at home. Uh, I had the time off from work, and unfortunately, uh, it wasn't in the budget this year. So I sat at home and looked at the walls and dreamed about being at Oshkosh. You sort of kind of joined us at at, uh, Potapalooza. I did, and uh, we appreciate you bringing uh, David and I in for that. Uh, That was a lot of fun, but then we got kind of cut off by uh, technology. In fact, I even had a power outage. Uh, right in the middle of it all, so it was. Yeah. You, you joined us at Potapalooza, sort of the same way the the jetpack flew, and uh, yeah, <laughs> the fanny pack. Ah, ah, ah. That, that's that's not giving Will enough credit, I don't think. <laughs> Absolutely, I think I think Will gained more altitude. <laughs> By the way, Will, I should tell you that both Je- not only Jeb and David, but James Winbrandt is with us here as well. Well, so. how are you? How are you doing, Will? I'm doing fine, James. How are you doing? Great, great. 
So one of the reasons I was uh, I was pleased to see Will Warner hanging out around outside the hangar was to have him because we already had on our list here. Um, I was going to mention the fact that uh, Pilot Will is making a movie, and uh, he's posted a the tra- a trailer, sort of a sneak preview, uh, on a website. And see, I'm going to the website right now so I can tell people how to find it. It's a pilotstory.com, and uh, oh, I don't want the trailer to play. I got to stop that button and. Uh, uh, the the uh, the the trailer looks just awesome. It's very very kind of grassroots flying interviews with people why they love to fly and uh, um, I just think it's going to be awesome. Will tell us a little bit more about this. What are you doing? What's the goal? How'd this come about? Well, thanks uh, thanks for the the props on that. First off, um, this came about uh, kind of you know my my I went to school for photography and filmmaking and uh, of course then got into the high tech industry and I've always kept uh, photography and filmmaking kind of as a, as a hobby and so I, I p- finally picked up my first eight big HD camera and started hanging out at the airport because I'm a pilot and I'm passionate about that and uh, started uh, interviewing. Um, uh, what we call the old geezers, you know, <laughs> figuring it might be nice hey, to I, have some I of these. I resemble that remark. <laughs> you know, I'm getting there too, Jeb, let me tell you. <laughs> the usual but, line uh, drawing of you on the cover. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I, I just thought it would be kind of neat to kind of put together, start putting together stories of, you know, the people's stories. You know, uh, my grandfather, who was an aviator and, and passed away when he was 90, we have a, a wonderful wealth of information about him because he was interviewed on many TV shows, including One Six Right. Yeah, that's right. I was going to mention that. He was one of the folks uh, in, in that movie, be interviewed there. Yeah. So, right. so I just thought it was kind of cool to kind of go down and, and catch these people and put them on film and maybe be able to give the footage to their families or, or whatever. And what we discovered as we were asking questions is that we all basically had the same story. You know, we all started with a passion of flight or somebody gave us that passion and we all somebody gave us a kick in the butt to actually go down and learn how to fly and we all did that same first solo no matter where you went with it you know whether you were flying in that same you know 152 that you learned in and soloed in or if you went off to fly the shuttle you know we all started out so that was that's the kind of the deal it's it's our story you know mm-hmm. so, and and I just thought it was a story that needed to be told not to mention it's uh, we're trying to make it so it speaks to non-aviators as as well as aviators because i want to be able to take this film to the other side of the airport fence mm-hmm. and show it to people and hopefully get them to at least come on to the inside of the fence and at least get a ride with somebody or maybe even pick up a you know their first uh, flight with a cfi or something like and that and just kind of get inspired right. you know you never know we, there may be you know they may be the next wing walker <laughs> Will, we have Will at a disadvantage here. We kind of yeah. we kind of went off on wing walkers earlier in the episode. You'll hear it later on. Okay. Uh, um, and it's primarily, they've never been lucky enough to date wing walkers. Yeah. Say it again, Dave. You kind of broke up there. Said it's all because guys have never been lucky enough to date a wing walker. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> oh, so, so this is this is uh, wing walker envy. David, have you ever dated a wing walker? Is that what you're saying to us here? Like I said, it's because you guys have never dated a wing walker. Well, I, I, I'm uh, not the one who's dumping on wing walkers. Yeah, all right. I know you're not. Yeah, but so, I, I have a. I, I can imagine you having had dinner or drinks with a wing walker more than once. James. <laughs> so, Will, you're collecting all these great interviews. What's the plan? What are you going to do with these? Uh, well, the, the, we're turning it into this film uh, called A Pilot Story, and we're going to try and. Um, 
you know, basically make the the next great aviation documentary uh, where it's it's about our story. It's about what we do and why we do it and why we should do it and why other people should do it. Uh, and what was the – not necessarily the past of aviation, but um, – but we're uh, we're certainly going to talk about that. But it's it's a you know we're going to go through what's going on and uh, and basically what's the future of aviation like. Especially he's talking with LSAs and the new electronic and composite airplanes a little bit. You know, to try and inspire people to come out and fly with us. You know, we're having I'll, great fun. Albeit you're aiming for the other side of the fence. Is there a possibility you might sort of debut a director's cut or something at uh, say an Oshkosh next year? I would love to be able to do that. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to make sun and fun with this. Uh, but one of my goals, and I'm not sure how, you know, one of our problems, and, and hopefully maybe you have some some people listening that might want to get a hold of me and, and, and help out, but uh, we're, running into, we're running into our low fundage problem where we're now trying to get out uh, from our area and go out and um, – uh, collect interviews from people around the nation, but we're we're out of money as far as the the project goes. So we're looking for people to help fund this, and that's going to determine how fast we get it done. You know, um, I have no doubt this film will be finished. <laughs> but if I had right. some money in my back pocket, it'll uh-huh. get done fast. Yeah, I would love to be able to debut this at Oshkosh. I would. Oh, that would be a dream. Uh, and, and if nothing else, I'd like to see it at least playing in the uh, theater in the woods or, you know, something like that. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like a very cool project, and the teaser that you've given us is very, very appealing. I, I just, I've watched it a couple times just to kind of watch these people and look in their eyes and, and listen to them talk about flying and, and some interesting uh, air, uh, you know, uh, flying shots as well. There's a, what's that little tail dragger that does that interesting little pass above the ground and I'm picturing it makes a sudden turn and its wing dips. And you know the one I'm talking <laughs> the, about? Yeah, that's a, that's a little. I think it's a Cetabria. Yeah, um, that sounds right. We just uh, we just shot some more with the pilot of that airplane. Uh, he doesn't have that airplane anymore, but he now uh, is partnered in with a J3, and we went out and did some shooting with him. Um, uh, basically, in that same spot, and I, I can't really talk about where that spot is. It's kind of a secret little spot. But, oh, really? Uh, aside from aside from the fact that it's on the coast of California, as you can tell. Uh-huh. Um, a real nice guy and, and and beautiful airplane, and we got some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff with them a couple of weeks ago. In fact, I if uh, on the website on the pilotstory.com, there's a uh, there's a, I have a little blog and I talk about uh, trying to get um, uh, trying to get this shot and realizing that I'm standing in about an acre of poison oak. And now let me tell you, I've been trying not to itch on my leg. I was wearing shorts, of course, too. You know, anything to get the shot, really. <laughs> So, <laughs> what are you shooting with? Um, I'm shooting on a, a Canon uh, X. I'm sorry, uh, XHA1 uh, 1080i. Actually, I shoot in 1080p essentially, um, the high definition video. Serious, serious stuff. Yeah, and it shows. It's beautiful footage. Thank you. Thank you. So the website is apilotstory.com, and uh, you should check it out. Um, if you're like me, you'll also uh, submit your email address so that we'll, we'll notify you with, uh, with uh, you know, changes and improvements and updates and so forth, and, uh, and, and definitely check out the, uh, the trailer. Are there going to be more trailers, or are you going to let us just... Um, I think, I think the, most of my time uh, is now going to be kind of involved with uh, actually putting together the film. Um, I kind of, I may uh, put together some, uh, some, uh, you know, I, I think as we go along, it depends on how much time I have and what kind of footage we're getting. We're certainly, you know, once we get into the fall here in California, when we stop getting foggy days, uh, we'll start doing some air to air stuff. So I may put together a trailer with some air to air footage. Um, 
And we're, we've got some really exciting people that have already committed to wanting to be in the film. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll drop a few names. Sure. Uh, Patty Wagstaff. Oh, okay. this film. Uh, Amanda Wright Lane. If, uh, do you guys know who that is? Uh, one of the descendants of the Wright brothers. She is, she is the great-grandniece and I think basically the family historian for the Wright brothers. And she is all excited about this. So we're, we're having a lot of fun picking up uh, some people. Uh, Joe Kittinger wants to be in the film, and he's all excited wow. to be in it. The, the man who fastest man in the world yeah yeah exactly so and many many others uh uh we've got bill stein and all sorts of other people do you you have any wing walkers i don't know we're gonna look into that for sure Um, title for this episode (laughs) i think i think we know the title for this episode hey will thank you for letting me drag you into the hangar here oh well thank you thanks for stopping by and uh, well good to talk to you thanks so much for stopping in thank you take care we'll talk to you again soon okay take it easy bye-bye now here, here's here's yeah. my question. What's that? Why, why do they call it a trailer if it comes before the movie's out? <laughs> that's because they like to put the cart before the horse. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, that's as good a response as any. Well, that's great. Where were we here? And, we lost. And, and I got I got one for Will. So when you listen to this, Will, one word for you in talking to a wing walk wing walker. Uh, yeah. Stokes. Yeah. Don't don't say business is falling off. Ther- Teresa Stokes. Who's mm, well, there you go. That's one reason we love wing walkers. Okay. Yep. All right. A couple of serious items here uh, before we uh, before we yeah. oh, no. reach the end of our allotted time here. Uh, let's see. Now, the TSA is getting crazy on, uh, on <sighs> the again here. Um, I wouldn't want to off on a rant on anything here. Yeah, right. I don't know. You know, I, what, what's to be said about this? What's to be done about this? They're... They've decided that they're going to add uh, uh, more more security uh, procedures to smaller aircraft, airports. Um, apparently, right now, they're only saying that they're going to apply these to larger small airplanes, airplanes 12, above twelve thousand five hundred. So, uh, I, you know, I in theory that doesn't it doesn't affect many of us, but it you know is it the beginning of the end or the beginning of something yeah, first they came and i didn't say anything and then they came for the cirruses and i didn't say anything yeah exactly and then yeah, they no, came for me just, and there was no one left to say anything yeah okay, here's a well-known aphorism yeah can can one of you guys do a better job of summarizing what the the proposal i'm making little finger quotes the proposal well is? there isn't a proposal yet that's the punchline um, the TSA and the, you know, in an earlier life, I, I worked with the TSA, and in fact, uh, the Michael Morgan uh, listed here as TSA's head of general aviation security. I used to work with um, um, uh, very uh, very sharp young lady, um, but um, what they're doing here is is finally getting around to. Uh, tilting at the windmill of Part 91 operations and enhanced security. Um, here we are, what, coming up on seven years after September 11. Uh, it clearly isn't a high priority. TSA has said time and time again that um, general aviation does not pose an identifiable threat to the security of the United States. Um, this is something that they're really, I think, kind of sort of being pushed to do by the airline industry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like this line here. There's a line here. Now, this this got rolling from a story in uh, giving credit to where it's due. Uh, Today in the Sky, which is a publication of USA Today, Gannett newspaper, 
and uh, you know, say what you will about uh, USA, USA today. today, but uh, you know, they do 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 some things seriously good with no uh, overblown hyperbole. But so this kind of jerks your attention. The transportation. This is the lead. The Transportation Security Administration is planning a massive expansion of aviation security that, for the first time, will regulate thousands of private planes now flying with no security rules. Unfortunately, that last phrase is not it, entirely accurate. It's but, it's absolutely not accurate. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the, uh, the the next one that jumps out at me is a quote from, uh, uh, well, I'll read it. The threat is real, said aviation security consultant Glenn Wynn, former United Airlines security chief. <laughs> what a kawinky dink. Yeah, funny how that works. Some, some small airports reserved for private planes, quote, really don't have a lot of security, close quote, which would make it easy for someone to steal a small jet, Wynn said. Quote, there's a huge window that's open, and I do believe that I've got to, they've got to close that when Okay, here's the thing. Any airport that doesn't have some uh, uh, fundamental level of security probably is not hosting many business jets. <laughs> well, let me do a little devil's advocate here. Let me do a little devil's advocate here. All right, okay. so that Falcon 50 that I saw the other day could do some damage. Uh-huh. Sure it could. Sure, Can you sure even get it started? I, I couldn't. You're going to need to be. You're going to need to be somebody good at it. Second, uh, was there, you know, no gate that you had to go through or uh-huh. anything Thirdly, like that at this airport? No. I Third, mean, I, it was why a, do I need to steal one when I can go out and buy one? If I'm if I'm a well-funded, well-heeled t- terrorist. Now you're now you're starting to make some good points here. That that the fact of the matter is, you could buy one of these things. You don't and need do to steal. whatever I wanted to at my own private little airport out in East Jibip. Well, uh, let, let's 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 think ahead here. If a, a business jet of that category comes up missing, and it's not already been used, yeah. don't you think that the theft report, you know, of a forty million dollar business or a, a twenty four million dollar business jet is not going to jump out in front of somebody and make them go, "Holy cow, we need to find this puppy." They'll be uh, the, the tape. More than likely, it's going it to come from offshore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, I, I, there's there's very little I can say about this story that would not be dripping with sarcasm or disdain. Uh, as as sure? yeah, there, there's well, just there's the, just what, no reason to do this. There's no. Um, what about it, the others? Go, go ahead, ahead, James. The other subtext of this article: There's somebody say, "Well, the airports that they operate on, they're much closer to the city centers, and there's a lot less traffic, so people don't have to wait as long." It's like an advertisement for general aviation. Yeah. Well, and I, I know Bob Olerschlager is also. He's um, uh, very well respected and, and very good uh, airport manager there at Arapahoe Centennial Airport out of outside of Denver. Um, he, he knows his stuff, as as they say, and he's clearly got uh, uh, general aviation's best interests at heart. I'm sure that that the statements quoted uh, in this article by him are the only statements that Robert had to give to the reporter that fit the reporter's um, narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so having said all of problem. that, I'll say again? He probably said, look, it's not a big deal. Exactly like what he it. said. Exactly <laughs> what he said. Um, 
and in fact, I, I know uh, Eric Byer used to work with him. Um, I don't know Chertoff, but uh, um, you know Dan Hubbard. We all know him also. Um, the, 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 and in fact, there are regulations already in place that address the security of aircraft weighing more than 12,500 pounds. It's called, drum roll please, the 12-5 rule. And it addresses the security of Part 135 operations of 12-5, of aircraft weighing 12-5 and above, because those passengers are not, generally, are not known to the crew. In Part 91 operations, the passengers are known to the crew. That's a significant distinction. Furthermore, uh, they seem to be focusing very narrowly on this yeah. idea that somebody's going to steal one of these. Right. Well, um, okay. Um, but, but I mean, let me put that aside. Here, here's my last comment, uh, and then I'll come back to the to the theft issue. Um, what's what goes on here within TSA is if the only tool you have. Uh, is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. The the mentality within TSA is airline-style security must be applied to anything that flies or rolls on rails or is a bus or, or whatever. And airline-style security, I think we've already demonstrated, doesn't really work all that well, A. B, is airline-style security. It m- may be the only thing that works for airlines, but it is not the only security that can work for other mm-hmm. modes of transportation and other types of air transportation. So that's the problem with TSA, and that's probably, I will predict, going to be one of the problems with whatever rule they come out with here. Um, There's two big things that really jerk my chain here. Uh, <clears throat> one is this this statement it is not clear whether passengers would get background checks background <laughs> for passengers background checks for passengers right yep what well, turn it into over here yeah. the and, second and, thing is that this yeah. expansion of the 125 rule into part 91 ops oh we're only doing this on 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 the on the heavy airplanes the 125 and above Mm-hmm. But moving it into Part 91 is just one step away from the next line being, mm-hmm. exactly. oh, but, you know, it's 6, only fair if we do it to these 91 operators that we do it to all 91 operators because uh, we can't think of any other way that would be fair. Kinetic energy, carrying capacity, speed, no, none of that means anything to us because we're dumb. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, clearly this is a broken idea. At least we think it's a broken idea. Probably is a broken idea. Here, here's my here's my my regular mantra on these things, which is what's to be done. Um, what what should we do to respond to this? Who can we express our? TSA our- has a blog, first of all, that that um, is uh, by all accounts um, um, uh, above board. It's it's not a sham. Unlike so many other things within TSA, it it does uh, it is monitored well. It it uh, posts there from the public are responded Dude, that to. That has dual by, connotations. I know, I know. By by TSA, um, so that that's a place to start. Okay, uh, you're not going to get very far with your member of Congress because, um, in my view. Um, there, any any incumbent member of Congress these days is running on a platform of fear, 
and uh, this doesn't fit the narrative. Mm-hmm. Okay, the GA uh, is not a problem. Is not a security problem. Narrative does not uh, uh, fit well their narrative. Um, I would ask them, and, and, and this is what I've told TSA several times in the past. Um, I would simply say this: I will happily cooperate and participate with TSA in its endeavors to enhance the security of Part 91 General Aviation the day after I have to have a background check to rent a rider truck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a demonstrated risk. That's a proven, known risk. Yeah. Okay, we should move on here. Um, Take a drink. Another thing that we talked about last week, we talked about um, the Gamma uh, report coming out, and we were kind of marveling that it seemed to be, the from quarter to quarter, there was increases in aircraft sales, GA aircraft sales. Um, but now we're seeing a report, and I confess I haven't read the entire uh, news story here, but apparently there's a Gamma story floating around that says that, that the sales weren't, maybe it's year to year they're not as good. Is that what the story was? But they're down. They're down second quarter '08 versus second quarter '07 year to year. Okay, hardly. A, shouldn't be a surprise, should it? No. Well, no, yeah. it's not. And we, we discussed this last week, didn't we? We did, but we didn't. We didn't have the hard data. We kind of speculated that it was. Well, we looked at we looked at '07 um, versus '08 numbers for certain manufacturers. Yeah. yeah. Piper's clearly, as I recall, clearly up '07 uh, to '08. Yep. In any particular aircraft category or, or across the board? Or? Um, I went to the press how about, how about piston? How about piston singles and twins? How's that? Yeah. James, you went to the press conference? Yes, <laughs> at, at Oshkosh where they announced their results. And we, uh, the same day they announced the, as the press conference was getting underway, Bob Cromer, vice president for sales, uh, said, well, in 15 minutes, the Piper jet is going to be making its first flight. <laughs> and everybody left. No, they, you know, because it wasn't going to be happening. They were doing it at Vero Beach. Oh, okay. So, but he was just reporting kind of and then gave an update on that program and then talked about their sales. And uh, one area where they have really bounced back is in the Seminoles as trainers. And then he took this dig of saying, our customers want the proven, reliable power plant of, you know, we're finding sort of a dig, obviously, at the Twin Star with the, with the dealers. Yeah. So I don't know. Is um, there anything? Uh, there, there, go ahead. Up last year, about thirteen percent. They're saying that the PA forty six line, which is the Malibu Mirage, the Meridian, and now the Matrix, uh, are accounting for a big chunk of that increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like good for them. Uh, they delivered yeah. one hundred and four airplanes in the first six months of oh seven. They've delivered one hundred and eighteen so far, as if as of the end of the. Uh, First half of this year, uh, I think it's glad it's good to see somebody that's uh, you know bucking the trend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right then. Uh, one last item on our list, uh, and I have almost no idea what this means. James, you put on the list. It says T hangers at CDW comma SGJ. Yes. That's Caldwell and St. Augustine. Well, uh, that's, oh, James that's is two exactly airports. Right. James is two exactly airports. Right. Okay. What's the story here? Well, that's what I kind of like to know, but I'm curious about. But you know, this is an ad. You want a hanger? Is oh, what you're saying. oh, okay. No, this not is... at all. Uh, but that's always, you know, for pretty much as long as I've been flying, there's been 
a shortage of tea hangers at airports. Mm-hmm. And it's something all pilots love to have. And uh, often airports that have wanted to put them up have been blocked by communities fearing that once a tea hanger goes up, the following day, 747 commercial service will start. You mean so, that's not the way it usually happens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know, well, actually, Man. when 747s drop off the tea, the tea hanger. Okay, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, so in a sort of a happy coincidence, first of all, down at uh, in St. Augustine, they are putting up some new hangers, uh, new tea hangers, and I have one of the oldest or the old style on the airport. They are, in fact, slated for demolition, but apparently they're not getting around to that as soon as they had thought. But if you're in these other hangars that are slated for demolition, you go onto the list for the new hangars. And they did, in fact, notify me uh, that I'm eligible now for these newest hangars that are opening up. Meanwhile, there are some intermediate, the newer ones that I have that would be perfectly fine but the the net result is that, you know, I'm going to stay in the cheapo hangar down there, but it was nice to know, and I'm going to be kind of bumped to the list. So at some point, if I want to move to an intermediate hangar, price-wise, I can do that, which was kind of nice to know. And then at Caldwell, I've been on uh, the waiting list there, I guess, for, they tell me, for more than 10 years. I didn't even know it was still in existence, the waiting list. And I got a call from the airport saying, well, we're putting in some new tea hangers and, you know, you can have one. Unfortunately, I had to tell them, you know, because it's so much more expensive in Caldwell than it is in uh, St. Augustine. I just had to kind of uh, tell them thank you, but no thank you. I said, you know, is there, can you just sort of bump me to the end of the list? And, you know, maybe I'll be a little better fixed next time around. He said, well, we can't do that, but I'll tell you. All the people on the list have been there for like 10 years, and as I go down the list, all of them say, can't do it now. So, <laughs> so everybody's getting thrown off, so I'll probably be back again. And uh, our friend Craig Barnett, meanwhile, did get a hanger. He's, you know, sharing a plane with two partners, so mm. it makes sense for them. But, you know, it's just, I don't know, is this happening all around? Is suddenly there, like, a fluorescence of tea hanger construction and that I'm sort of just seeing one end of it, or am I sort of an anomaly here? It's interesting. Uh, I, I have kind of the same question, and more more of the point, I would ask, um, is there all of a sudden a glut of hangers because uh-huh. uh, there's perhaps less demand for the aircraft? Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm asking it. Um, I, I did a story um, for uh, Aviation Consumer a couple of months ago on, on hangers and hangar availability. We surveyed, uh, we ran a little survey on AvWeb, and uh, we talked to um, hangar construction people, uh, hangar door construction uh, manufacturing people, etc. Um, you know, we explored the, you know, lease versus, lease versus buy uh, question, etc. Um, and basically came to the conclusion that there is no rhyme or reason uh, for the the hangar market, it is completely a local market. It is more of a real estate market than it is an aviation products or services market. Um, and uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's a mystery, is the punchline, I guess. Uh, everybody, take a drink. Um, but I, I'm curious uh, now. All of a sudden, if hangers are starting to come out of the woodwork. Um, 
and, and I would point out also that you know when I moved down here to Florida, although I did a little bit of prep and I did uh, you know some some uh, some legwork on trying to find a hanger, um, I got one within six months of, of really? actually with within four or four or five months of being down here um I, at the airport i wanted it the hangar's not the best in the world but it is a hangar mm-hmm. um so uh, you know I, I don't know what that says yeah i mean i'll give you two data points up here um at at skyhaven um the the smaller of my two airports here um they have a, a sign they have a list posted on the board in the in the lobby um and and with a little note attached saying they're not taking any new people onto the list and uh, mm. um, and from just observing the airport over years they they hasn't they certainly haven't added any hangers and uh, so that's that situation but now at Sanford um, where I was up in Maine uh, with the, uh, the the Eclipse and company on the ramp um, interesting thing is that so I was kind of spent about an hour or more driving around and wandering around and kind of just exploring this airport. And then later, I got back to my uh, my desk and I went into into Google Maps and was looking at the satellite view of this airport. And I suddenly realized that that there were there are hangars on the field now that aren't in the Google satellite picture, which admittedly could be a couple of years ago. But the point is, they are adding new hangars. There was a there was a, a whole building of what appeared to be T hangars, two sided building, you know, with hangars on both sides. And and then one large uh, hangar that's owned by the FBO. Um, so. one, one of the things also <clears throat> that that our research in uh, into uh, hangars uh, uncovered is for the um, the people building and renting the hangars, it's a pretty easy uh, commercial real estate venture. Um, you don't have to worry too much about tenants. You don't have to worry too much about upgrades to the furnishings. You don't have to worry about paint or carpet or furniture or anything like that. Yeah. Um, you basically build it, um, uh, pour the foundation, run utilities, erect the steel, uh, hand out keys, and uh, collect some cash. Um, they can pay for themselves several times over. The real punchline, though, is it's it can be a very big boon for the airport authority, yeah. the airport owners, oh, yeah. because the airport still owns the land on which the hangars are sited, and depending on the um, arrangements with the airport, the uh, hangars can revert back to airport ownership after a couple of three decades, uh, at a minimum. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a real sweet deal for the airports, also. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Another model, another data point for you, and I thought this was an interesting model, and maybe I don't completely understand it, but but here's what I think I understand, is uh, at, at Hampton Airfield, which is a, a really charismatic little grass strip uh, uh, right on the seacoast in Hampton, New Hampshire, um, a few years back, and at Hampton Airfield is owned by an individual, he's a now retired uh, airline pilot. Um, who who runs the airport? I mean, it's a total labor of love. He's a great guy, and he puts a lot of time and effort into the airport. Um, but clearly, he's getting on in years, and he may want to retire from the airport, um, or he'll pass it on to his heirs someday. Um, one of the things he's done recently is uh, he he uh, basically let out 99-year leases on some ground on the far side of the airport and mm-hmm. and had people come in and build these big luxury hangars um there's three or four or five of them now and uh and i thought that was an interesting way of kind of locking up the ground to be an airport yeah. for the foreseeable future <clears throat> yeah. because it 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 
it, it's a little bit more of a of a binder on anybody who might end up owning the airport in the future that they well, have yeah, obligation. Make the prospect of uh, taking over the airport if you want to do something else with it, buying out those leases and and, and the hangar investment that people sure. got in it. Yeah, there's there's ways around the cost to convert it. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. not bulletproof, but I thought yeah. it was an interesting way of making it a little bit more difficult to 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 make it not an airport. And uh, may I digress for a moment on this? Sure. sure. You'd mentioned about Sanford being in Maine. Earlier we were talking about your thinking about buying an airplane. Yeah, I know what you're getting at here. Go ahead. Yeah, so this is sort of, there's been news by, so let's say you get a plane you're, and you don't base it, I mean, you could be subject to a tax or something if you make one flight for to get breakfast at that restaurant, correct? I, and how are you going to handle that? I need to understand it a little bit better. I think one flight wouldn't necessarily put you over the threshold. I think there's an hours or something like that. There, it, it, it's, it's, but it's, it's, there's a, this is the uh, yeah, there's a threshold of, of uh, time after you take possession of the airplane yeah. and trips or percent the of the year, time in, in Maine or something like that. And, and there are, I, I did a little reading about this, and, and, and certainly going to the airport restaurant um, does run the clock, um, which is just insanity when you stop and think about yeah. it, right? Okay, but it does run the clock. Um, there are some exceptions for things like if you've got your airplane in Maine for maintenance or... There, there are those kinds of exceptions, but I mean, as we've talked about in the past, it's a nutty, nutty tax law. It's so well. We've talked about it. We don't need to talk about it again. Yeah, that's an issue. Um, being here on the an idea for avoidance, though. What about a fly-through window at the restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> It'd have to be pretty big, though. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you put the food up there on a pole, and you come by and you snag it on your way through. Yeah, uh, you know, and then you. But change in the collection thing. What do you got, Jeb? What do you got? That's where you need a wing walker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, we're having way too much fun here. We got to wrap this thing up. James right. Winbrand, of course, is an author and aviation journalist, and uh, you can just Google his name to, or, or search for him on Amazon to learn all about his work. And uh, thanks, James, for wandering by the hangar tonight. We appreciate hey, it. Hey, thanks so much. Always love hanging out at the hangar with you guys. Right. Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, a senior editor for Kit Planes Magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. I did finally find more copies of your magazine, so I now have it on my coffee table. Uh, you can learn more about Dave and his work at kitplanes.com and avbuyer.com slash world aircraft sales. Go flying because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. That's right. Jeff is an aviation journalist currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Learn more about Jeb. Yeah. But I ain't no wing walker. Ain't no wing walker. <laughs> at jebburnside.com or aviationsafetymagazine.com or abweb.com. And I am Jack Hodgson, a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Learn more about me at jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net. And visit us all. Join us all at uh, our theuncontrolledairspace.com website. Check out the forums. Check out the wiki. Uh, check out all the other things that are going on there. It's a lot of fun. Anyways, that's enough talking. Let's all go flying. Honey, I'm home. David, sing to me, David. Once upon a time, there I was at 40,000 feet. <laughs> and the guy riding with me pulled it into want? a stall and says that Buffett can't be beat. Dave's singing to me. He asked for it. Uh, strictly man. <laughs> no, I didn't. It's a lie. He just likes to sing to me. I don't understand it, but I'll wait for the instant replay.